Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So as I begin today's message, this is going to be my attempt to be deep and insightful. Now, I'm not saying I'm successful at this, but here's my attempt to be deep and insightful as I've thought about the times in which we live. And I've boiled things down to four statements, and I want you to listen to this very carefully. Everything has become political. Politics has become our religion. Our religion has become entertainment. And our entertainment has become everything to us. Can we just walk through that? It starts with everything. Everything has become political. Take um, masks and vaccines and all these things. These are not political issues. They are health issues. And I think we need to remember that. But, but everything has become political. Our politics has become religion. I see how Christians are responding to the national temperature right now. And we talk a whole lot more about our party or our candidate than we've ever talked about Jesus Christ. Could it be that everything's become political? Our politics has become religion. Our religion has become our entertainment. That we choose a church or we choose our involvement in a church not based on will this church help me become more like Jesus, but do I like what happens there? Does it keep me entertained and engaged? So everything has become political. Our politics has become our religion. Our religion has become entertainment. And entertainment has become everything. That we kind of live for the hype, right? That we're willing to spend an infinite amount of money to feel good or to feel pleasure. We, we, entertainment has become our, our idol. Listen, we kind of lived in a messed up world, don't we? we? We live in a messed up world. Everything has become political. Politics has become our religion. Our religion has become entertainment, and our entertainment has become everything. In all of this, is there anything right with the universe? I would say yes, and I'm going to give you six words here that I hope to be a companion with us all morning, and these six words I hope stay with you long after you listen to this. God loves you no matter what. God loves you no matter what. Now, there's, there's two ways to hear that. One is to hear that as bumper sticker theology. The other is to understand the depth of that statement. It's kind of like, and I've shared this with you before, <clears throat> when I hear a young married couple come to me and they've been married a few weeks and they go, we've discovered all you need is love. And I kind of throw up in my mouth a little bit, right? Because you know that in, in a relationship, you're going to need more than, than love. You're going to need trust, and you're going to need resources, and you're going to need patience, and all these things. Then I talked to a couple who's been married 60 years, and he's bald and pot-bellied. She's survived breast cancer, and maybe they've lost a couple of children, either in pregnancy or they've lost a grown child. And this couple with a relationship that has been weathered, with one another, they look at me and they say, all you need is love. Same words, just a different gravity to them. So I don't say those six words, God loves you no matter what, as some kind of trite statement. I say this knowing 
that God has been working on a plan for thousands of years, that God has been working with you since the day you were born, that God is active in your life right here, right now, and he wants you to know one thing. In a crazy world where everything has become political, politics has become religion, religion has become entertainment, entertainment has become our everything, he wants you to know this. God loves you no matter what. And the way Jesus expresses that to us is in the form of a story. And he tells a lot of different stories to help us understand, to help us to grapple with, to help us understand the gravity of the love of God. And, um, you know, when my kids were growing up, I would, I would tell them stories at bedtime. I wouldn't read stories. I would tell them stories of my own life. And I would just kind of make the rounds of the bedrooms, and I would tell them a, a growing up story is what we called it. And typically it was a story where I messed up, where I did something wrong. Because our stories help us make sense of life. Our stories also help us make sense of living. And I wanted to give these stories kind of as a permanent loan to my children. I, if, if you know at an art museum, they will sometimes give a permanent loan of a masterpiece. I wanted to loan these stories to my children so that they would maybe learn some truths that I had to learn the hard way. So Jesus shares these stories. He gives them on permanent loan to us to help us make sense of life and to help us make sense of God and to help us understand maybe for the first time that God loves me no matter what. So this is Luke 15. And actually today we're not going to look at one, not two, three stories that all kind of carry with it this same idea. God loves me no matter what. This is Luke 15, starting in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So it's within this context of Jesus sitting around the table with some unsavory characters, some folks that the religious folks said, you know, they are throwaway, there's no saving these people, they are not worth redeeming. It's within this context that Jesus tells these three stories, this trifecta. Here's the first one. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after that lost sheep until he finds it? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. So this first parable is set in the shepherd's field. It's, it's set... In an, in an agrarian culture, it was kind of set in the workplace. And maybe you know what it feels like. You know what it feels like to lose a customer, to lose an account, to lose a shipment. This shepherd had lost a sheep. Now, I think it's important to stop here and say, this is set in the workplace. I want you to hear this. It's God's job. <laughs> it's his vocation. It's what God does. His job is to seek you. God loves you no matter what. It's his passion. It's his occupation. 
And we can kind of get inside of the shepherd's heart here, this idea that if, if you have lost a customer and um, sometimes, you know, I lose a church member over something that I've done or said and, and there's that feeling of lost, here's what the shepherd feels, a determined desperation. As I first read this parable and as I pondered it, I thought, well, you know, the shepherd is desperate, but that makes it sound like the shepherd is weak. He actually takes on this posture of strength. It's a determined desperation. You know what it's like when you lose that account. You say, I'm going to get that account back no matter what. Or, or you lose that shipment. I'm going to find that shipment no matter what. There's this determined desperation that you're going to go after it with all you've got. And that's what the shepherd does. Doesn't matter if I have to walk in the countryside for all of the day and most of the night, I will find this sheep that has been lost. But the sheep doesn't make it easy, does it? In fact, at this point on Sunday, I'm going to watch a uh, show a video, and uh, you, you know it should be pretty easy to find. Why don't you just Google uh, "sheep jumps into pit again," and you're going to find this little video of a shepherd boy who's pulling a, a sheep out of a out of a ditch, and he frees the sheep. The sheep is happy. He's elated. He goes running off. He jumps up in the air, and further on down the screen, you see he lands right in the middle of that ditch again. Boom. Sheep are stupid, aren't they? There's a reason that we say the Lord is our shepherd because we are the sheep. We don't make it easy on God sometimes. We just wander off, we get lost, and we do it again and again. But no matter how many times we get lost, no matter how many times we end up in the same ditch just further down, God loves you no matter what. Then we've got the second picture, the second parable. Or suppose a woman, that's not a, a man shepherd, it's probably the shepherd was a man. Now it's a different picture of a woman, um, but this time it's not the picture of a workplace, it's the picture of home. There's a woman who has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Well, doesn't she light a lamp and doesn't she sweep the house and doesn't she search carefully until she finds it? And then when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So uh, again, this is a different picture. Instead of being in the workplace, this is more than God's job to seek after us. God wants us where, where he knows we should be. Home. Home in him. And it's a picture of a woman who has 10 coins, she's lost one, and there's a little bit of speculation on why these 10 coins were so important. It could be that this was, and in the ancient world, coins were often used as a headdress of a woman in her wedding. You know, that picture of prosperity. Don't we still sometimes slip a, a groom, you know, a $50 bill when they're married, you know, hey, good luck. But this would be coins that were worn in the headdress, so there was more of a sentimental value to these coins. Or... It could be that these were 10 copper coins. This woman was over a house that every penny mattered, and if she didn't have enough money to provide food for her family, they might go without that day. I hope you've experienced those times in life where you've just barely eked by because it helps you be grateful for those moments and those times and those seasons of abundance. When I was in graduate school, my fiance and I, Paula and I, we lived five hours apart. 
And I'd made that drive from Fort Worth to San Angelo enough to know it took exactly $20 in gas. You know, right now, $20 of gas would probably get you across Tulsa County, but then I, I could drive five hours and back in my car on $20. And one weekend during our engagement, I wanted so badly to go home and see her, but I didn't have 20 bucks. And I prayed all week long, God, would you literally let $20 fall out of heaven? I don't care how it happens. And miraculously, that $20 never came. I remember <laughs> sitting in my dorm room uh, at seminary. I think I was just drinking Sunny Delight all by myself for the course of that weekend. God knew what he was doing. Sometimes those resources fall out of heaven, but I'm thankful for moments like that because I remember a time when I needed 20 bucks and I didn't have it. Here's a woman that may be in desperation. Every penny matters. She's gotta find this coin. There's that sense of, do you hear that phrase again? Determined desperation. I don't care if I have to turn this house upside down. I will find this coin. It's exactly how God feels for you. Doesn't matter if you have to turn the world upside down or turn your life upside down. He is determined to find you. God loves you no matter what. Then we come to this third story. And this is probably the story that Jesus is best remembered for, okay, as we think about his teaching. Most people even will use in our, our language today the prodigal son, right? So here's this last story. And, and this one, I, as we read, I want to reflect. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, you are worth more to me dead than you are alive. <laughs> I wish you would hurry up and die so I can get the settlement from the estate. But why don't you just give it to me now? So the father divided his property between his two sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And he sounds like he went to Vegas, right? He said, I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna put it all on, on one roll of the wheel. By the way, can you imagine the heartbreak of this father? And we, we talked a few weeks ago about the heart of a father. The father, a father, a good father, loves us in our weakness, provides for our needs, corrects us when we go astray, and there's one more element, I'm just skipping out on it, oh, and is patient with us when we need to learn. So a father does these things, and this father has invested so much in his child over the years, and, it's, and the son has rejected the father. So he goes off and squanders his wealth in wild living. Verse 14, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and that son began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to slop the pigs. So I, I guess it's not Vegas, I guess it's Arkansas. Isn't that, isn't that what you call it when you root for the Arkansas football team? You call it slopping the pigs? It's something like that, I can't remember what exactly it is. But he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, and here in Jesus' story, he uses the words, when he came to himself, he finally realized who he was, where he was, and who really loved him. I don't know what's going on in your life today, but would you realize who you are? Look around at where you are. 
And more importantly, know today who loves you. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death? I know what I'll do. I'll set out, I'll go back to my father, I will say to him, not only does he have a plan, he rehearses a speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went back to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. Maybe he'd been looking at the horizon every day, hoping beyond hope that his son would come out, come back. And then one day on the horizon, he sees a silhouette and he knows that gait. He knows the way his son walks and recognizes it instantly. He saw him, was filled with compassion and ran to his son. So this is a part of the parable that people when they heard it would have gasped because no dignified older man in a Hebrew culture would ever be caught running. It was an undignified thing to do. You probably don't know the name Bill Broadhurst, but in the 1980s he ran in Omaha, Nebraska. It was a, a kind of a marathon style race. It was a 10,000 meter race. That's not unusual except Bill Broadhurst was paralyzed on one side of his body. An aneurysm had left one side of his body basically useless, but he managed to walk and then to run by, by using the good side of his body to stride forward and then pulling his left side after him for 10,000 meters. And when Bill Broadhurst crossed the finish line that day, not only was he the last one finished, not only were most of the spectators gone and only a small cadre of friends left there, but there was one man waiting for him at the finish line. His name is Bill Rogers. He was one of the prize marathoners back in the day, and he took off the marathon medal he had just won in the Boston Marathon. Bill Rogers took that medal off himself and put it over Bill Broadhurst's shoulders. He said, this finish was more important than any race I ever finished in my life. Bill Broadhurst, with every step, agonized. Can you imagine this father running? He had been paralyzed by years of animosity. He had been wounded by his son's arrogance. He had been left numb by his son's absence. And now when he sees his son, he runs. And Jesus puts the gold medal of fatherhood around this father's neck. And he says, this is the way it ought to be done. And by the way, this is who God is. God loves you no matter what. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son went into his prepared speech. Father, I for, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father cuts him off. Enough of that. Quick. Bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. We have a feast. Let's celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is now found. And so they began to celebrate. A determined desperation. If my son comes back, I will welcome him no matter what. So as I pull these three parables together, 
What I want you to notice is a couple of things, and, and, and this is important because now we come to your story. We come to where you are today in a world where everything has become political and our politics has become our religion and our religion has become entertainment and entertainment has become everything. All of that is real surface and shallow. What, what really matters in this universe? God loves you no matter what. But we need to reckon with the fact that we are lost we are lost without God. And as you look at these three parables, I want you to think about the reason that each one of these individuals or animals or objects were lost. The, the sheep was lost just out of pure ignorance. He, he didn't know he was wandering off, just ignorant as can be. The coin, coin doesn't have a say-so in its whereabouts. It, it was just lost by accident. The son, his lostness, was deliberate. It was out and out rebellion. I don't know what situation you find yourself in today or when you feel a long way from God and lost. I don't know the reason why. You know, do, do you feel like that you just, you kind of got lost from God by accident? You just really have never heard of God. You've never heard of the love of Jesus Christ. Or it seems that life and its circumstances has just misplaced you and you wound up where you are by accident. Or if your distance from God is deliberate, out and out rebellion. What is the reason that you've never given your whole life, your whole heart to God? What is the reason that you've never let God find you? Ignorance? Accident? Rebellion? Can I tell you this? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why you're lost. You need to know that God has a deliberate determination to find you. God loves you no matter what. And then one final thing as we pull these parables together, I want you to notice they kind of form concentric circles because there's a, there's a ratio that begins to close in. The sheep is one in a hundred. You know, imagine a, a big target, a big bullseye target, right? Dartboard maybe. Sheep is one in a hundred. The coin is one in ten. The sun is one and two. And as Jesus tells these parables, they close in around you. Your heart is the bullseye. And what God wants to land on your heart is a very simple truth. What Jesus wants to land on your heart is a very simple truth. That God loves you no matter what. So, it's kind of an urban myth. Most stolen book in the world is said to be the Bible. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? But that's actually not true. There's so many Bibles to be had for free. It's not the world's most stolen book. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, the world's most stolen book is the Guinness Book of World Records. It seems that when people find these in the library or whatever, they just, they just take them, they steal them. It's, it's one of those deals that the, the Guinness Book of World Records sets its own record here. So maybe you feel like that you have set the record for being lost. Maybe God's never met somebody exactly like you, that, that you've wandered off maybe accidentally or, or you feel like life has misplaced you um, unintentionally or maybe it has been out and out rebellion. You have walked away from God. You knew you, what you were doing and you walk as far away from him as possible. Maybe you feel like you have set the record 
on your distance from God? Let me tell you, first of all, you haven't. Second of all, I would say it doesn't matter because I want you to hear the gravity of this truth yet again. That God loves you no matter what. It's not me saying that. It's Jesus saying it in story after story after story. Here's God in the workplace. Here's God in the home. That last story is set in the heart of the Father. God loves you no matter what. And I often say this, the only word God is waiting to hear from our lips, once we understand that God is our creator, that Jesus is our savior, that eternity of a relationship with him awaits, the one word he's waiting to hear from our lips is the word, yes. Father, I pray over every person who hears these simple stories of Jesus. Jesus, first of all, thank you for repeating this truth over and over and again so that we just can't miss it, but still we often do. But would you drive those six words into our heart that matter most? God loves us no matter what. May those words be more than just in our head. May they be in our heart. And may we know you for who you are and who you want to be in our lives. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May God grant you peace now and forever. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, and may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.